0: how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Yes,
1: it is Purple Daily. Welcome in. Much appreciated that I know a bunch of you right now are watching a live Purple Daily Feedback Friday. As soon as you see the screen, you're going to realize Phil Mackey is not here. He is on vacation because it's the bye week Some people don't take the bye week off because you know what? If you take the bye week off, how are you going to get better? So that's why Judd and Declan are here right now. Feedback Friday compiled by Dex and sponsored by our friends at Quick Trip. Now, I got the hat on, but I don't. But I don't feel that's driving home the message, and I mean it literally enough. So you know what else I got? I got oh, yeah. my, I got my truck. Uh-huh. I, I've got my truck. Exactly uh-huh. right. Quality gasoline guaranteed is what that says, folks. Top tiered, and that's right. Our friends at Qu- at Quick Trip, and this is a cool truck, but it is a good truck. Yeah. Like if I was a kid, this would be awesome. Oh, gotta be a great truck. Quick Trip backs every trip. drop of gasoline with their quality uh, gasoline guarantee. Get to your destination without worrying about what's in your tank. Just another way that Quick Trip provides great customer service. And before we get to the comments, Dex, you you got a Quick Trip, like, literally down the road. Just down the road. How convenient is that Quick Trip?
2: It's great because I'm also a a year-round griller. I grill year—it could be negative. That's awesome. It's going to take a long time to warm up that grill, but I will still grill, damn it. And the best part is, you know, I can't— I, when, I, when I moved out here to the Burbs, it was like, you know, how do, how do you do the gas tank exchange? You know, I've been in an apartment forever. I've just used community the grills. The propane tank. Yep, yep. You just take that sucker to Quick Trip. They they You bring off the old one. They give you the new one. And it's an easy process. I would say my favorite part about Quick Trip, outside of it being my one-stop shop for gas and snacks, yep. is actually the propane tank exchange. Because as someone who loves the grill, it's just right down the road. If I got... You know, I had the in-laws over this late last summer. I was low on the propane tank. Oh, my God. What am I going to do? Just walk down to Quick Trip. Well, not walk down. Drive down to Quick Trip. Exchange that propane tank. No problem Beautiful. whatsoever.
1: And, and you know what? There's a lot of choices, decks for convenience stores. Not all of them have great customer service, I've noticed. It's true. That's so true. that's where Quick Good Trip point. comes in. And again, the great gasoline guarantee. All right. Let's get to it. Comments.
2: Comments, thoughts, Purple Daily. It's a feedback Friday. All right. So let's uh, let's get in some feedback here. A lot of heavy KOC future quarterback. What he wants in this quarterback. Uh, that's on these quarterbacks that are on the roster. A lot of comments on that. So buckle in. We're going to start things off uh, with Flying Finn here on from the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Flying Finn says, KOC. I think he wants a quarterback that is safe, a game manager type. I think it's going to be Mullins. Wish it weren't so. Love you guys and the show. Uh, so he wants, Brian Finn believes it's a safe quarterback. He's probably mostly projecting, obviously here, the QBs on the roster. He's not, I don't know if he's necessarily saying the game manager type is the end all be all right. quarterback he wants beyond 2023, but that's right. why he thinks it's Nick Mullins. And you've been kind of on the Nick Mullins, you know, not belief, but the, if he's going to put his eggs back in a new basket here coming out of the bye week, You think it's going to be Nick Mullins. But does KOC want a game manager type after kind of watching this Josh Dobbs experience basically wrap itself around the car the last few weeks?
1: Yeah, I think if Dobbs didn't have uh, six turnovers in the last two games, that he would just stick with Dobbs. But I I think more than so, I completely get that that comment. And um, yes, that's probably correct. But I mean, if. KOC had a quarterback that he could trust not to turn over the football. I think he he would like that. But when you say, you know, game managers always had this negative connotation, right? Like he's just a totally. game manager. But ultimately, those guys can A win games and B if they don't give up the ball, they're far they're, they're a far better choice as far as being safe, and that's why I think that he is I think that for the short term. So I'm with you. This has nothing to do about 2024. This has to do with the last five games. I think he definitely um, switches to a guy who would have been the starting quarterback when Cousins got hurt if he indeed hadn't been hurt
2: in Nick Mullins. So, you know, you brought up the points of when Dobbs was playing well or going into the first game with Jaron Hall. Because there's some mobility, not a lot with Jaron Hall, but some Um you, you were talking a lot about how KOC wants a mobile quarterback, a guy that can roll out of the pocket, move his legs. Nick yep. Mullins isn't that type either. So why, why, do you, why do you think, is it just the turnovers that all of a yep. sudden he goes from a guy who's a mobile to then just a safe, yes. the game manager type, and Nick Mullins, is that basically the thought process you think totally of right. KOC? Totally why. Right. I,
1: I think Dobbs has probably rightfully so just scared him too much. Yes, it's totally because of, because I I do think if you could land on a quarterback who was, who um, did a better job securing the football and he could start what, like if the Vikings draft a guy who's got, who can move, I think they would love that. But I think the, I, I mean, the last two games have sort of been the, have been the reminder of the first, what, five games of the season. I mean, you cannot throw picks. And more importantly than that, you cannot fumble. And so I, I think KOC, I think this all goes back to, and I still hate the play call, but the Hawkinson play, right? TJ takes the snap, gives it to Dobbs. Like clearly KOC had like been in the lab coming up with these elaborate um, uh, plays. And the fact that ball got fumbled and Dobbs took a hit that should have been called, but I think that started a, oh my God, I tried to do this and it didn't work thing. And so, yes, I I don't think this changes KOC's uh, goal for his quarterback eventually. But unfortunately, Josh Dobbs, I guess we shouldn't be shocked by this. Has turned back into to uh, Josh Dobbs. Uh, I'm call I'm getting these stats up though, just to be clear here, okay? Because I don't want I think that they're going to perceive Mullins, Declan, to be the safe choice. But I just want to um, go to his stats as well because they're not exactly pretty, okay? Uh, Nick Mullins has started 17 of 24 career games with the Niners, the Browns, and, and then he played in four um, in relief of Kirk last year. So he didn't play much. But he has, in those 24 games, he has 23 picks, 27 touchdown passes, eight fumbles, and four loss. So I think KOC is going to go to him, but I just want to be very clear here. This guy has had his own demons with uh, picks and fumbles as well.
2: For sure. Tim on our YouTube channel says the KOC hate is unreal. Is Dobbs a quarterback or not? Please let us find out what we have in Jaron Hall. At some point, a quarterback has to play and execute. This hate on Kevin O'Connell is ridiculous. How is that? KOC gets a ton of blame for a quarterback that clearly doesn't have it. Please put Hall in and let's see what he has. Dobbs was needed, but he did what he needed, and it's time to go back Jaron Hall. I think Tim mostly uh, singling me out for my hot take on Kevin O'Connell that he oh. you know, failed. He failed Josh Dobbs in, uh, in 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 the Monday Night Football game. And I, I look. Two things can be true. Yes, the quarterback has to execute the game plan, but also Kevin O'Connell has, in my opinion, enough of evidence here where he sometimes overthinks things and makes things a lot harder in late game and crunch time situations. We've seen that play out already this year, even with Kirk. With Josh Dobbs, uh, third and go situations, they've had to have their defense save their bacon. We saw that in the Bills game, even last year that was epic. Um, there's things that like I really like about Kevin O'Connell, and my hot take is not that I'm out on Kevin O'Connell. That would be a hot take, but shockingly, that's not my take. It's mm-hmm. just that he's not on the echelon of the great quarterbacks uh, or great head coaches, excuse me, in this league like the Shanahan's, McDaniels that I pointed out. Um, and look, yes, you're down injuries, you're down players. Kyle Shanahan got down to his third quarterback he's been with, man. Like, what, what more evidence do you want? Is what, how, Where do we pick and choose how we want to go about that? But to Tim's point, he wants to see Jaron Hall, doesn't want Nick Mullins, who's the safe backup option. And that, I mean, I, and I align with Tim. Like, I'd rather see Jaron Hall. He looks fine in, in the first drive and a half, and he's more of a, uh, something that you want to cling to going forward afterwards, and see if you know this is maybe your guy here. I mean, hell, Judd, like, what happens if, what happens if Jaron Hall over these next five, six games to close the season takes the Vikings on a magic carpet ride, takes them to the playoffs, gets a playoff win? Like, do you have your future quarterback question answered at that point? Is that too small of a sample size to say no, we can't, we're not going to take a QB in round one? Like, I would much rather you go down the path of Jaron Hall. Uh, starting out of the bye and if he plays well well that's even better for the vikings going forward
1: yeah i uh i just don't see it i i don't think that they as i think we talked about with uh, phil and perhaps doogie on thursday on on the scoops i don't think the vikings intention and i know brock Purdy was the last pick of the draft so i'm not even defending this i'm just saying what my thought process is I, i don't think the vikings intention was ever to have to play hall and i mean they went out and got Mullins at the end of training camp in 2022 because they one realized Mannion and Mon couldn't play and two they wanted they wanted a backup to Kirk that they trusted and so that's why I think that they're going to play Nick but yes I would have I I saw a comment there that just said this team is not going to the damn Super Bowl just play Hall Um, I agree they're not going to the Super Bowl, but they might go to the playoffs. And they're going to give themselves, whether we like it or not, and it's worthy of a discussion, they're going to give themselves what they feel is their best chance to get a playoff berth. um, And they're not going to worry about the future yet. They might internally, Dex, think, you know what? Our QB of the future is either going to be Kirk for another season or he's not on the roster. So there's a lot of things at work here. I'm just telling you what I think they're going to end up doing.
2: And by the way, that Cowboys win over the Seahawks, that's good. You don't, for the Vikings playoff's sake, you want the Seahawks to lose games as well. Here. Yep. Like the, Whoever whoever finishes second in that NFC East, whether it's the Eagles or the Cowboys, they're going to get the easy matchup against the NFC South. They'll have to go on the road, but I mean, whatever. They'll, they'll, that, right. that team's still going to be favored on the road. The Seahawks losing actually yesterday is somewhat good news. I saw the Vikings playoff odds, and again, they're on a bye week, so don't have a lot to change, but... I think there was only like 3% on either side of playoff chances, positive or negative, with results that are, that are happening with the Vikings being off this week. So you don't want the Seahawks to win. If, if you're a Vikings fan, you were actually, I think, rooting for the Cowboys going into that game.
1: Let's just say uh, securing that seventh seed or perhaps the sixth one in the National Football Conference, um, it's not going to take an act of God. Right. Like
2: you just have to be competent and you'll probably be a playoff team. All right. One more comment on KLC here from Mike. He says KLC is proving two things through his first season. One, he's not the innovative offensive coordinator we thought or hoped he was. He has the mobile quarterback and he's been making him a pocket passer and not setting up plays. Look at that fourth and eight, three level pass routes all to one side of the field. That's your best 10 yard play. Two, he doesn't have that killer mentality. He did that to go for the win in Denver didn't play for downs for the first down last night and on Monday Night Football against the Bears. He slow played the second half in New Orleans and multiple games this year. And just like Zimmer would do what he would get up two scores if that doesn't change after this bye, they need to seriously think about moving Flores to head coach and letting KOC go. Remember when we had Tomlin for a year, we stuck with Childress. I'm just saying. Uh, I mean, look. I know that was a fun conversation we had earlier this week, too, about you know would you rather have Brian Flores? Chauncey and Fargo was the one who threw that out to us. It's still Kevin O'Connell for me, even though with my criticisms of him, you can't really just say goodbye to KOC and promote Brian Flores. But but you know his point of that's the, the majority of his first half, the point of the same things I was trying to make is, yes, he's a good coach, but he's yet to show he is the innovative genius that the McDaniels and the Shanahan's are. He's yet to show it, and I still think he can be that guy, by the way but he has yet to show that part of his coaching repertoire.
1: Well, one, I, I want to see him um, get his QB. So he either gets Kirk back or he gets a new one, but that's his guy. Um, yes, I do agree. He does go too conservative at times. Since Kirk got hurt, I I think there's you have to look from a quarterback perspective at uh, two things, um, before Kirk got hurt and after. Because they are doing things and I'm not defending them because I I do think that they have definitely gone too conservative um, at times. And I do think that basically saying, well, the Bears took what uh, Josh Dobbs did really well away so we couldn't do it is sort of a cop out. I think you still have to do things. But all of that being said, I mean, this is to me, this is not the sample size in which to make a decision. I mean, O'Connell did a magnificent job against the Falcons. They beat the Saints. The Denver thing, I think the last two games, he's he has struggled as well. Um, the other thing, too, and I think he's smart enough to, is he needs to learn. Kevin O'Connell needs to learn from his mistakes. And unlike P.J. Fleck, I think he's introspective enough to do exactly that. Like, he just remember, he did not call plays for the Rams. Sean McVay did. So it's exactly like O'Connell is here now with it's it would be like if Wes Phillips went to a team next season called plays struggled and and everyone's like, what happened? You were so good in Minnesota. Well, that changes because Kevin O'Connell was not a play caller other than, I think, a stint in Washington um, until now, until the last two years. So, yeah, I think we need to slow our roll about making assumptions. I think we can certainly be critical of O'Connell right now on a game-by-game basis, but we also have to keep in mind he is trying to put this thing together from a quarterback standpoint with duct tape um, because of the fact that Kirk got, got hurt. I would far rather pass judgment on O'Connell's play calling with Kirk play because I think that's I think that's totally fair game then.
2: want to put a pin in a Brian Flores comment because we have a juicy one uh, coming up later here on feedback Friday but uh some Justin Jefferson feedback we'll transition we'll stay on the offense but transition to some JJ feedback here uh Nina Soriano says Jefferson should have been playing by week coming or not seven weeks for a minor hamstring is ridiculous I'm down on him big time I'd take the picks for him tomorrow Woof. so a uh, harsh criticism on Justin Jefferson I mean, look, hamstrings are tricky. I'm no medical expert here. Do We know Um, it was minor, and yeah, I don't think it was minor. I don't think we ever got seven weeks.
1: I don't think we ever got. Look, um, if we're going to pass judgment on Justin, let's let's look at the entire file, okay? Um, Justin Jefferson easily could have slow played and or basically skipped team drills in training camp. So, so he is. He had two years left on his contract, but let's be clear here. The best receiver in football, or at least among them, top three, right, for sure, was up for a contract extension uh, that he is going to absolutely break the bank on, and it's going to include plenty of guaranteed cash. So he was up for that contract extension starting in May of 2023, this year. He then practiced every day in training camp while TJ Hawkinson said his ear hurt and then said, I think, his back hurt. Um Jefferson got hurt, a hamstring, which, like you just said, is incredibly tricky. Missed seven games, which I think is the smart move. Like, why play him the game before the bye? If they had beat the Bears because of Jefferson and Jefferson got hurt on Monday night again, it's not worth it. That that win then was not worth it. Um, but I am, I, I am the first to criticize players and coaches when I think I can figure out the situation, Declan. But in this one, I'm sorry. Everything that the Vikings did and that Jefferson did to me was wise. And if the contract played a small role, good for him. He doesn't have a new contract. He's on a rookie contract. And if he blows that hamstring out, he's costing himself millions of dollars. So I'm sorry. On, On this one, I have not and I will not criticize Justin Jefferson until somebody flat out says, who knows, he was dogging it. I have no evidence of that.
2: And also, like, you can beat the Chicago Bears without Justin Jefferson. Like, that sure. That that game should have just absolutely been in the Vikings' favor, and it wasn't. I don't – like, yes, JJ on the field, does it change things for sure? But you should be able to – you beat other teams without Justin Jefferson uh, in that – during the stretch of him being out. So, uh, Anthony Goat won. Anthony Edwards Goat won. Not the Anthony Edwards, but Anthony Edwards Goat won says – Okay. It's going to be very interesting to see how J.J. does with whoever our quarterback is for the rest of the season because if the quarterback isn't able to get him the ball, J.J. will be wanting a quarterback who can get him the ball, and Kirk has been able to do that for the past three years. I am not a Kirk stan at all. I am just curious on how J.J. would react if the Vikings go to the stopgap route quarterback-wise. I don't want to trade Jefferson, but if he throws a fit, I would think about trading him. What do you think about uh, what? what is the best quarterback for Justin Jefferson? I mean, I, it's clearly he's the, one of the best wide receivers in the game, and I think force-feeding him is going to work no matter who the quarterback is to a degree. But which quarterback do you think probably fits the bill to make Justin Jefferson happy and to get the production he probably wants?
1: Well, O'Connell was talking about that at his press conference on Tuesday, and I think it's probably—I I, I think that's among the reasons why— Mullins is going to get the start is because you know Dobbs is struggling. Um, Jaron Hall again, he's a fifth round pick, and that's a big ask. Hey, dude, step right in and distribute the football, and you know, keep in mind in the two series when Hall played against Falcons, Justin Jefferson was out. Uh, but I don't, I also don't think that Justin Jefferson's going to put any stock at all in in these last five games. As far as he, he'll be pissed off if he doesn't get the football, but he's not going to say, "Well, this is the future. I'm gone," because it's not. Like, everybody knows it's not. These three guys right now, unless something, you know, unless Jaron Hall gets in and just lights it up, these three guys have no chance of being the starter on opening day uh, 2024. So I would not be concerned that Justin Jefferson is going to see this as a long-term problem if they struggle to get him the football in these next five games. But I do think he'd be frustrated. But O'Connell is not going to say, oh, we're screwed now. He's never coming back because of that. That that would be more of a Kirk, you know, when Kirk is playing, right? Or if you draft a quarterback. Um there is nothing that predicts the future about what we're gonna see uh for the remainder of this season.
2: One more offensive uh comment here. Kill Devil Theory says Jefferson, Hunter, Darisaw, and Cousins. How does this fit under the cap? Is it possible uh, to fit all four of those guys under the cap?
1: No. No, they're yeah. they're not going to either. You can't. Um You can look the cap, unlike in our favorite sport decks, the cap goes up every year. So, so yes, you can fit a lot, but you're not going to, and and we're talking about guaranteed money. We're talking about, you know, who wants what, as far as contracts go on the term. Uh, So no, no, we're going to, and we, we talked about this, or I should say the Vikings are going to, and we discussed this yesterday. You're going to have to prioritize. Like that's where the Kirk question becomes a real question of if you bring Kirk back, something has to give. Because, you know, I just, I don't, I'm sorry. And I know he's coming off a torn Achilles and I know his value is going to be down because of that. But And I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I don't see him just like rolling over and coming back on a cheap contract. I think it's going to be costly. And Daniil Hunter's flat out changed my mind. I would have traded him. I certainly wouldn't have brought him back. Until I saw what I've seen again now,
2: and right now I would prioritize him. Impromptu question for you: Of those four, J.J. Daniil, Darisaw, Kirk Cousins, you can only keep two of them for the next, let's call it five years. Which two would you pick on a gut check here? Which two of those four players over the next five five years years? for the next five years would you keep?
1: J.J. and Darisaw, because Hunter, who I would prioritize on a three-year contract. In five years, Derosa has the potential, and I don't think we've seen a lot to dissuade us from from this. Like we did back with uh, Matt Khalil, uh, Darisaw has the potential to be a ten to fifteen year player. Mm-hmm. And uh, JJ, I'm sorry, and and we, if you want to come at me and say I would not pay him, go ahead. I'm sorry, I can't let him go. So if we're talking about for next year, like if we if this was solely a 2024 conversation the hunter equation makes me think w- way more but right. five years five years from now daniel hunters probably almost certainly because he'd be what 34 by then at the end of the line decks uh daris up in the prime of his career justin jefferson still very very good so long-term plan i would go with those two
2: uh by the way our friends at three jack in the north loop three jack. great spot you know, uh, golf season here in the Twin Cities, basically over with uh, with the colder weather. But you can still get your swings in. In fact, you can, uh, you know, book a bay once a week, once a month. Whatever you want to do to keep, uh, keep those swings active there with those loaded nachos, a chicken sandwich. It's not just golf. It's great food options there in the North Loop in Minneapolis. Plus, they can host event gatherings, too. Maybe you got holiday plans. You're trying to figure out in an office, you know, a little mini Christmas party or get-together before you break. Or you got family in town. 3Jack can help you out with that. They can host uh, parties from up to a dozen or from a dozen to up to 200 people if you want. So you can go to 3Jack and 3Jack.com. Of course, our Purple Daily audience, if you do stop in there, uh, mention Purple Daily. They will give you a free pint, a free pint with any menu purchase item too. So get those nachos and maybe a free beer. What's wrong with that? Love that plan. That's a great plan right there. So go to 3Jack and 3Jack.com. Judd, who do you call for electrical work in the house?
1: Oh, there's only one call that I I make, and that is my friends at Finch Home Solutions. That's right. There it is. Meet, meet. Finch Home Solutions van shows up, and when that van, which, you know, it looks like a certain football team, because my friend Cody Finch, who runs the show, let's just say he loves that that team. He loves the Vikings, and he loves making sure that your home is safe, Um, projects big or small. So we're talking about, you know, an outlet needs to be replaced. Guess what? Finch is there. Your entire home needs to be re- rewired, which don't laugh. It's incredibly important. The safety of your family is potentially at stake. Finch Home Solutions is there. Now, let's talk about uh, let's talk about leisure. Let's talk about, you know, it's cold outside, right? Declan, what is really nice to get into when it's cold outside? Oh,
2: I love a hot tub. It's one of oh. my favorite things. Once I'm actually owning a home, I think a hot tub is going to be high on the list, and I can't wait to get Cody Finch over here to install the dang thing.
1: Because I'm telling you right now, when you do that, guess what? There's a lot of work to be done, a lot of mm-hmm. installation, a lot of things that need to be done right. Again, this is not a situation where you do it by yourself. Finch Home Solutions does it for you. Fast, efficient, courteous, all of those good things. 612-357-2604. That's 612-357-2604. Or go to finchhomesolutions.com. finchhomesolutions.com. The website allows you to set up an appointment, make your life as simple as possible, and, of course, Tell Cody and the team at Finch that Score North and Judd set you.
2: All right, I have a juicy, juicy one here from Young Cringe Gamer. He says, write this down. Bill Belichick will be fired as Patriots head coach. Brian Flores will take the job in New England. Okay. And Bill Belichick becomes the DC of the Vikings, reuniting him with Kevin O'Connell. What about this, Judd? What about Brian, uh, uh, excuse me, Bill Belichick coming to the Vikings and being KOC's uh, defensive coordinator?
1: So this allows me to tell a story. Did you know, that because it ain't happening. Um, Well, (laughs) actually, Flores could very well be a candidate for the Patriots job. Um, Did you know that Bill Belichick almost joined, like it was reported, I believe, by Sid Hartman in 1984? That Bill Belichick was going to be, I think, the secondary coach for or or the DC for Les Steckel, and like no, the deal was that. just about done, and at the last second, I think Belichick backed out and went back to the Giants, perhaps. But there was a time where Bill Belichick was almost on the staff of a Vikings team that ultimately, if I'm not mistaken, went three and thirteen, was one of the worst teams, and and Les was blown out after a year. So Bill Belichick almost once had ties. He was almost. One of us, which of course we love. Other than that, yeah, he's not going to be—he's um, not going to be Kevin Zosi or DC. Uh
2: yeah. And look, I think—I uh, think Bill, if he's going to walk away from the Patriots, isn't going to take a DC job. I think he'd rather yeah, he'd uh, head coach or front office. Exact. And to be honest, his his front office decisions have been yeah, just horrible. become a consultant, J- dude. You're so rich, just become a consultant.
1: Yeah, go golf, enjoy his, your
2: life. His GM work with the Patriots has been awful. The, the personnel decisions, the drafting, like, like it's one thing for, for him to load Mac Jones and, you know, have struggles post-Brady, but the personnel decisions he has made front office-wise have been abysmal. It's been some of the worst decisions in the NFL.
1: Oh, he's lost his fastball. He was once great. I, I mean, he's the same guy that suckered Spielman to take Randy Moss in 2010. It's true. In one of the most genius... Uh, look... Everybody at some point in time, their fastball declines. The question is, how much? And in Bill's case, you know what? Unbelievable career. He walks into the Hall of Fame, right? Go enjoy your life and become a consultant like your buddy Parcells did. You don't need the headache anymore, Bill. Bill, I'm talking to you. You don't need the headache.
2: Another uh, comment here. On Brian Flores, he says, I don't blame the defense, but they did a bad job on the last drive against the Chicago Bears. Flores called a good game up until then. I believe Kevin Seifert had a good story on this as well, that Flores blitzed the hell out of Fields all game and was flustering him. And look, Fields had an okay game, I think, even uh, for Justin Fields, I should say, before that last drive. Uh, But then he stopped blitzing him. And the Bears, who only needed to go about 30 to 40 yards to put themselves in field goal range after that botch punt from Ryan Wright, were able to Mm -hmm. do that with ease. Why did Brian Flores take the foot off the gas pedal against Justin Fields, Judd?
1: It's a very interesting question. Now, I I did see that that Seifert posted a story at ESPN.com today, and his stuff is always great on Flores, and he talked to him about the, you know, blitz rates I, I think it became a starting in training camp but certainly at the start of the season i think it became a running joke between seaford and flores because kevin always has the espn stats and info stuff which is really intriguing and he would ask about his blitz rates because he was blitzing all the time i have not heard a good explanation of why he peeled back on that last drive other than the fact that they were concerned they'd get beat downfield and they were trying not to but i mean dance with the girl you brought right like you are you this is who you are like your players your players were never as bad as they were in 2022 but they're still not it's not like elite talent across the board yes you've got a few really good players but um i am a little bit surprised that they didn't say you know let's continue to do what we're doing because we don't think justin fields can beat us that this way because he basically has not but uh I agree with that. Like, he called it a good, good game. And the other thing I continue to say is you can't fault Brian Flores. Like, the offense has to score points. They had a brutal game. Um, That defense was out there way too long. They played really well. But it's a a very – it's a good question because I'm not exactly sure. And I'm guessing if if he had it to do again, go back in time, that you would just continue with the same game plan. And if, if they beat you with that, they beat you. But I hate when you get beat trying to prevent
2: getting beat if flores does jump um for a head coaching job or another i don't think he'd leave for another dc job but if he does leave the vikings after 2023 is there anyone in staff judd that could take that could take things over would they go another external hire like they did with brian flores who replace ed donatel does anyone in that room strike you as someone who could call those plays
1: that's always hard to say a little bit because like you don't know the, the position coaches are just that. So you really don't get, like, a good view on, like, game day or what their input is during the week, which becomes incredibly important. But I asked Doogie that question on the scoops yesterday, and he said that Mike Smith, who was the pass rush coach, who, by the way, came with Donatel, or on, or, or in, he didn't come with Ed. He came in 2022 from the Packers, in part because he, he had been tied heavily to Zedarius Smith Um, that Doogie thought that Mike Smith uh, might've been a candidate, but Mike Smith left the team in training camp and has not been back since personal things. We don't know what. So my guess is probably not. They probably have to go outside again. The other thing though, is how do you, who can replicate sort of what Flores has brought? Do you prioritize that? Because what he's brought has been incredible when there's not a lot of guys or there's not guys who do this. So like then does somebody on the staff have the secret sauce? Uh, to somebody not and so now you've got to sort of go start from you know the ground up again it's a really interesting question because Brian Flores is not doing things that um, that a lot of guys can probably do with the same success rate and I'll I'll liken it again to Vic Fangio right so the whole thing with O'Connell and Fangio he's now the DC of the Dolphins but he had left uh, he had left the what the Broncos, Donatel replaced him, and Fangio was a consultant for the Eagles last year. And the whole thing was, well, find a guy that does what Fangio does. And you know what we find a lot? <laughs> Just because you're around a guy doesn't make you that guy. Um, and totally. this is where, so like, if you're like, okay, we're gonna hire the secondary coach because he saw what Brian did. That doesn't mean he's going to have the cojones because what Flores does. A lot of times takes a lot of cojones uh, to do that. So it's a really interesting question. And yes, I think O'Connell improved as a coach with Mick McVeigh, but I think this across the board sort of, well, the guy is, he saw this guy coach, so he knows exactly. I think a lot of times that's a real stretch.
2: A couple more feedback uh, questions or comments here on purple daily, and they're all Judd related when it fills out. I like to pull the Judd comments on feedback wow. Friday. okay. Like to go ahead and Judd put,
1: here. Pull my quick trip hat down.
2: First thing, Armaine says I still think Randy is Judd, and it's just pre-recorded. Are you pre-recording these Randy hits? I am Judd? not. I don't even think I do a
1: great Randy. I, well, I think you know, you're. I think you're the best impressionist on the show now your timber i don't think would work for randy no i don't but you're the best impressionist no i think phil and i are both okay average um... probably but i am not no i i can assure you um just from my own self-critique i don't think i have the chops i've got the timber but i don't think i have
2: the chops to do randy two things uh and this is not a backhanded compliment at Judd. This is not a backhanded move at Judd. I don't think Judd could figure out how to get all that technology to work. So he that would fall like he would have to send me a video, and then I'd have to manipulate it. Now I think I could, to a degree, manipulate Judd's voice to sound could like record Randy. Record it though, like yeah. you could help me record I could it. Could help you record it, and, and then it would. But take you're some, not gonna. You're and, not gonna. And I'm not gonna do manipulate that.
1: my voice. No, no, no I no, can't do no. that. I You've got can't a lot do that. of stuff besides that. So no, I can assure you, I am not Randy from cottage
2: grove on the impression front left broken arm says judd needs to work on an al michaels impression so if you know phil falls in the kenny albert and i'm Grizz gollinsworth can you get a can you get an al michaels impression going
1: i don't think i can i don't think i can do a few but i don't think i can do a good one and and look you know so like your collinsworth is pretty spot on Phil just goes to the extreme, right? Like, I think Kenny (laughs) Albert's easy to do with... Because it's not like like Phil is spot on. He's spot on, like, with the cadence. But, like, I don't think he really sounds like him. Mm -hmm. So Al Michaels is a big ask. Look, I would love to say that I'm good at impressions. And I could do a few, again. But uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that Al Michaels would be... And I heard him done. It's funny, but that would be pretty nuanced like i like you would have to work on, you'd have to work I on i think
2: an Al one i think it's joey molinaro who uh used to be at barstool and does just all the old oh great he's unbelievable. he he's does the sabin his al michaels low key is i think one of his absolute best uh it it, it that one's hard like to your point that one's difficult like it's not because he's like a goofball that one's like legitimately well hard to do
1: he grew up in brooklyn i, I think and his family okay. moved to and and his folks moved to Los Angeles around the same time the Dodgers did in 57 or so. And so the issue is he still has a little bit of a New York tinge, but it's with a West coast tinge and he's cleaned it all up a lot. So like, he's got a lot of things going on there and he's really like, he's got the good pipes. That would be, that might be the toughest one. Like, like you would never, I would never think of an L Michaels impersonation as sort of like a fun one, right. like Vin Scully, you know, unbelievable, right? Yes. But his was sort of, but but like you can do the cadence, hello everybody, yeah, you know yeah. that that whole cadence. Um, yeah, Al Michaels would be like to to your to use your words, low key. That would be
2: really hard, That'd be really hard.
1: good. And Joey is
2: unbelievable. Last one here. Uh, Mark says, Judd, stop using words like apoplectic. I only stand words like wings and beer. So, you know, d- dumber down that vocabulary for, uh, not for that. Uh, I don't think I that one's pl- that nuts.
1: I'm not using a lot of hard words here. No. I'm no. not using. Like, I occasionally drop in penultimate for second to last because I think you it's funny. You do like that one.
2: That's a good one of yours.
1: The penultimate game is. Yeah, I just like to say because I didn't know for years what it meant. I finally looked looked it know, up. I'm like, oh, it's second to last. I didn't know I, that. I
2: never really started hearing it until like the last few years, and it's mostly it's used heavily in uh, TV series breakdowns because it's the penultimate episode before the series finale. Yep. And and yep. now we're in the we're in the era of um, where every like miniseries TV show is dissected episode by episode. There's podcast recaps for it, and especially the ones that like I seek out. I like to really get, like, uh, like HBO shows, which are usually my go-to ones for any new series. There's so many podcasts out there that will break down some of those episodes that, you know, things go over your head and you might have missed, or what are you trying to tie oh, yeah. together? And I didn't really start hearing that word until media critics, per se, started using it to That's wrap up a, a series. Yes, because they're haughty. Yes, I agree. I agree. Well, Judley, that does it for Feedback Friday, I think, here on, on Purple it's Daily. Tough. A lot good of stuff. good stuff. A lot of don't good stuff. Uh, tomorrow, mm-hmm. and then Judd's, yeah, Judd's quick trip yep, truck as well. Keep, keep talking. I'm just going to play with the truck. Okay. Uh, Purple Access. Judd and Chip Scoggins tomorrow on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Sunday, obviously. It's a bye week. Uh, no Vikings game on Sunday. No Vikings game on Monday. Uh, but Judd and Phil did a little uh, pie chart, I believe, for, for another historical No pie statements. Chart. Bi week statements. Bi week statements.
1: Yes. Yes. Ah. And some of them, Phil, let's just say this Mackie comes out of the gate. You wander on like, like Jeez. he comes out throwing a fat. He's throwing, I'd say, gas. You
2: know, speaking of, you know, big words or maybe even not reading things, I thought Phil sent me, okay. Yep. Statements. Never mind. The I didn't read. Yep. That's, that's classic. Uh, another classic thing that I do. Anyway, there's a Sunday show. Sunday show. Uh, we're seven days a week daily. <laughs> and then we'll be back at full strength uh, on Monday. So uh, Phil will be back. I think, I think we're back at full strength on Monday.
1: Is Phil back. When's Phil back? I
2: don't I, know. I, I think he's, I don't know actually to the answer. He's in that Vegas. Question. Now he's going out West. I have no yeah. idea where he is. We're, we have, we have solved this week's portion of shows Monday. We'll see what happens, baby. We'll see if we're back at full strength, uh, hit the subscribe button for daily Minnesota sports entertainment. This is purple daily. Uh, appreciate you guys, and have a great weekend.
0: All right, welcome into to Stepping Up, presented by Federated Insurance, where we talk with next-generation business owners and business leaders about their process, about their philosophies, what challenges they face, and their vision for the future of business. And our guest on this episode is the Chief Operating Officer of the Minnesota Timberwolves, a man who has seen a lot of basketball and a lot of sports business the last 20 or 25 years, Ryan Tanky. Thank you for joining, Ryan.
3: Great to see you, Phil. Great to be here. Thank you for having me on. This is fun.
0: As you're going up the ladder to become a director, to become a vice president, you're grinding and working, I would think, in a different way. Like you're grinding no matter what, but mm-hmm. what is the difference in the work? Is it, are you, are you, are, I'm, I'm assuming on the C-level of things, and, the, and this applies to business owners too, it's probably more about macro principles than sort of like in the weeds and working on micro things. Or how would you sort of characterize at the C-level the way that you're allocating your time in a workday?
3: When I'm functioning at my best, which means I'm probably bringing the most value to my role or most value to the company, I, I'm i functioning through a lens. Uh, I call it lead, involve, and inform Phil. And I'll know when those things are, you know, off balance or something, but when you get to the lead part of this, which are the things, here's what Ryan is actually leading. Here's what I'm leading. You know, those shouldn't be more than three or four things at any time, Phil. Right. So things that I'm actually driving for the organization and charge with leading, I really believe should be three or four things, right? That was the mistake I made a lot of times earlier in my career leading things, which is you try to lead too many things. The second bucket that I call involve are things, Phil, that I'm not necessarily leading, but they're more than informing me. I want to be part of that process. So somebody on my leadership team might be driving and leading it, but I want to be involved throughout and uh, should be involved throughout and making sure there's real clarity with my team around what those items are. And then truthfully, 90% of what happens should be informed, which, which means these are things that I've got great people, we have tremendous leaders here that are driving big, big, big things. Most of those things, I just need to be kept informed. And so when I'm when I'm going through and, and I'll and if there's a question I have along the way, I can bubble that up or I can I can ask, but you know, I shouldn't be leading more than three or four things. I shouldn't probably be involved with you know six or ten things. And then the rest of it, honestly, hire great people, get out of the way and let them, let them go.
0: Love it, man. Love to hear that and uh, appreciate your insights on business leadership. And yeah, Ryan, it was great catching up. Thanks for your time today, man.
3: Yeah, thanks a lot. Love love doing it and love to do it again sometime.
0: Ryan Tankey, the uh, Chief Operating Officer of the Minnesota Timberwolves and Minnesota Lynx here on Stepping Up, presented by Federated Insurance.